offensive coordinator, three tight ends, second down, one, Jacobs finds a hole, breaks a tackle, into the end zone, that's a touchdown, 11-yard touchdown run, blocking ahead, the seam was found, and the Raiders on top. 20% slower is where you get the best of both worlds, in my opinion, Trent, right between. Thanks, First Steve. and goal, Booker will take it in for the touchdown. Gene, thank you, and they say thank you to Booker, who thanks his offensive line. Seven-yard touchdown run, third rushing touchdown today for the Raiders. Oh, big hole. Look at Booker. He'll run to daylight and into the end zone for his second rushing touchdown against his old team. That's a 23-yard sprint for six. Said a lot of points in a shootout. Oh, my goodness. Another interception. Kwiatkowski got a one-hander. Pulls it down. His second career interception. He's a five-year veteran, a first-year Raider. Four rushing touchdowns. No mistakes. Five takeaways, four interceptions. And that jersey says it all with the grass stains and the exhaustion. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Thank you so much for listening to the Silver and Black Talk podcast. I am your host, Fidel Barraza, alongside with me, Leander Green and Tarion Rogers. How are you guys doing? Everything good, good man. What's up? Hey, Everything Gucci. Be- before we get into the Silver and Black Talk, look, we got to talk about this, this versus, right? Gucci man versus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who won? I got Jeezy, man. He, he handled it like a real G up there. But they, they both did their thing. What made this versus battle so good is that you forget the score. You stop counting score. You guys wait, waiting for song after song, you know? Yeah, for me, like, I was already going into a bias because I'm a huge Jeezy fan, bro. You know, I had the snowman t-shirts when I was a kid, bro. 15XL couldn't fit it, you know? So g- going into it, I already, I, I know Jeezy's catalog. So it was like, I he wasn't going to lose to me. But I learned a lot about uh, Gucci tonight, and I think that he has hits, you know. So, I mean, I, I can't really have an opinion because if you're already going into something biased, you can't really have an opinion on it. That's what I'm trying to tell my friends on Facebook because this person won and this person won. If you're a fan of either one, you're not going to say your boy lost ever, right? right? So, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Man, I thought the old school Gucci man was about to come out, man. I saw the little belly <laughs> pop out a little bit. <laughs> Gucci yeah. uh, Jesus. Before the thing was like, bro, don't bring, don't bring your clone. Like, I want, I want, I want the old Gucci. I don't want the clone. Yeah. So, yeah. Before tonight, I never really heard any of Gucci songs, man. I don't, I don't know his catalog, so it's like, bro. Yeah. Oh man, it's got some hits, man. Yeah. But all right, guys. So let's go and talk some Raiders football. Uh, Raiders are coming off a huge win against the Denver Broncos, thirty-seven to twelve. It was a close game the first half, but then the second half, the Raiders just took off and they got some crucial turnovers from the defense. Uh, Carr was 16 of 25 for 154 yards, no touchdowns. So not not the games that we're used to seeing Carr play, but we made up on the ground. So Josh Jacobs had another big game, 21 carries for 112 yards and two touchdowns. And also Devontae Booker, the former Bronco, 16 81 yards 
and two touchdowns as well on the ground. What were you guys' thoughts of the Raiders' victory against the Broncos last Sunday? Man, that coming into that game, I thought the Raiders was going to blow them out. I thought it was going to happen much sooner. But that first half, everything was kind of close. I think the half ended at 10 to 6. But second half, third quarter, the defense just, man, I never seen that defense play like that before. And Carr and the Raiders offense, they, they just took off, man. They did it on the ground. Carr was a good manager of the game. But everything was clicking. They did pretty much what they wanted to do with this team. Yeah, I think for me, they did well in the face of adversity. You know, um, Nelson Aguilar dropping that touchdown and um, Waller dropping that long ball. In years past, those type of plays would have came back and bit the Raiders in the butt, you know, and they probably wouldn't have been able to recover from it. But this game, like, I've seen some adjustments being made. You know, they finally called some pressures and blitzes and things of that nature. Jeff Heath, you know, came up big with with two interceptions. That one was key before the halftime, that interception he had. So I think the, them being able to answer well in the face of adversity, you know, like, I, I've noticed that a, a couple of times this year. We played the Chiefs this coming Sunday. Same thing, you know, Carr jumps out and throws an early interception. You know, you're thinking, oh, man, this game's over. And then they came back and, and won. So I, I'm, I'm learning a lot about the team's heart and its grit this year. You know, so that's that was on display on Sunday. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, that defense came up with some crucial stops against that Broncos uh, offense. Um, and, oh, I mean, before, this was the game that the Raiders would have lost, right? Um, but this team, it's different. It's the Raiders are 2020. So, to me, they're showing a lot of grit and a lot of fight. But, of course, the story that's not going away this season, COVID-19. And, it, again, it's made a stop in Las Vegas. So, earlier in the week, uh, Clear and Farrell tested positive for the virus. Uh, and then yesterday, actually, a uh, rap sheet from the NFL Network reported that eight players were placed on the COVID-19 list, which means that if they come out with another positive test, uh, they're not going to be able to play against the Chiefs. Yeah, man, this this COVID thing is something crazy, man, something crazy. But the, the good thing is the coaches, they, they seem like they're not blinking a minute. They're they not blinking a minute. They really believe in this next man up thing. And they're, they're not changing their game plan or anything. It's really the next man up with the squad. And I, I like that mentality that they have. In the beginning, when we first started to see the COVID hit the Raiders, I thought they were just putting on the show when they were saying next man up. But nah, these guys are for real. This coaching staff and John, John Gruden and uh, Mike Mayotte, you gotta give them. You gotta give them credit, man. They got. They got a nice depth. They got nice depth, and everybody's ready to fill in. Yeah, and no, I agree with with, with Leander's thoughts, you know. But for me, I'm kind of curious because, like, um, even for my own job security, like, they don't let us know anything until last minute. So I wonder, like, how soon into the week will they know if they're gonna cancel the game or not, or move the game back, or move the game up? You know, because we already seen a game moved already with the Buccaneers game early this year went from a Sunday night game. So I wonder, you know, last game, it was the last time it was their whole entire offense line. Now it's their, all their starters on defense. And so it's close contact, you know, so it was Cleveland Farrell was the one that tested positive and then all the rest of the guys were around him. So that's why they sent them home. Just, they don't want to, you know, enhance the risk. Mm -hmm. So, and, and they have to wait until Saturday to figure out, okay. Uh, if these guys keep continue to, to test negative. Right. So, how soon would they know? Like, that's my question. How soon will they know if they could just move the game? Because this is one of those games to where if you, I don't, I, I want, I want everybody at their full strength. I don't want that excuse to be like, oh, well, we weren't healthy this week. So, you know, that's the reason why we lost. You know, 
I want it, I want the, the Chiefs to be at full strength. I want the Raiders to be at full strength. So, and I think the only way that we can do that is if, you know, we, we kind of get an earlier determination of when this game is actually going to be played and when it's going to be. Well, so if no positive tests come up tomorrow, I'm, I am pretty confident yeah. that the game will not be moved from Sunday Night Football. Uh, here's the list of the players that are on that list, though. Uh, Jonathan Abram, uh, Malik Collins, Jonathan Haskins, Isaiah Johnson, Arden Key, Kendall Vickers. And then, of course, they're going to be without Clean Farrell already um, going yep. to a Chiefs, a Chiefs offense that's coming off a of bye week. And Andy Reid is 18-3 uh, and three coming off a of bye week, so he right. not lose often. Now, uh, Torian, since you work for the Raiders, I, I'm curious, how is that procedure in the mornings when you go into Allegiant Stadium? Yeah, so it's pretty – so it went from they, – they kind of changed the procedure on Sunday. Like, so we basically – we go in there – they check our temperature like a face scan. And if we're, if we're under, like, I think the 98 temperature mark, they let us in. But if we're at that 98, they'll sit us out for a good five, 10 minutes and then retest us. And if we re, if they retest us, then we're out. You know, we can't, we can't come in, into the game for about a week and we got to go home and self quarantine. So once we get past that test, we got to go and take a, a survey about COVID. Have we been in close contact with somebody that has it, you know, such and such, and it's, and it's a long survey. So the, the procedure that changed from this week to last week was last week, the, it was a paper survey. And I guess they're, they're trying to minimize touching now. So now it's a mobile setting. So they have it, it's basically an app now. So basically we take the test, we submit it into the app. So we, we, we're trying to minimize a, the least touching as possible. And so once we you know get past that, we check in and then uh, they give us this like band basically saying that we, we, we passed the test they give us our badges and stuff and we go in, right? So I'm, I'm assuming with a lot of these players, um, for example, I know the Trent Brown and Jonathan Abram situation from earlier on. Jonathan Abram and Trent Brown, I don't know if they're roommates or they live together, but I know they went to the mall together. And that's why Jonathan Abram was out because he was close contact with Brown because they were together. So that was the last teammate he was with before he caught it. So I think it's basically, and I know a lot of the players, they're, they're roommates and they live together. So if you live with somebody or your roommates together, even if one person tests positive and other guys negative, they're going to sit the roommate out just because you're around him. So that's what close contact means. Mm. All right, perfect. Yeah, I mean, regardless of the situation, the Raiders are going to have to play against the Chiefs on Sunday. Without these players or with these players, and this is the, the biggest game for the Raiders in the last couple of years since at least the 2016 season, the last time they went yeah. to the playoffs. So uh, Kansas City's 8-1 coming off the bye week again. Raiders are 16-3, so they're two games out. But if the Raiders would sweep the season series, they're only one game out of first place. And I was looking at both schedules, and it's a lot more favorable for the Raiders than what the Chiefs <laughs> out of them. So uh, yeah. I'm on Sunday Night Football. Um, but let's talk about the keys to victory against the Chiefs. Let's start off with Leander. Well, the keys to victory is keeping that Chiefs off-field, Chiefs offense off the field this game, man. We're going to have to um, control that ball on the ground and keep that quarterback of the Chiefs off the field. And hopefully the def defense can come out there and play half as good as they did this last week. Because I think if they do that, they the Raiders have a chance in this game. It's hard to beat a good team twice. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with what Leander was saying, too. And I'm going to tell you another positive that has come from this COVID situation. They're looking at Vic Beasley, right? Um, so Vic Beasley, if they if they do, I don't know that I don't know the procedures with COVID, you know, um, of, of signing a player or whatever. 
But if they were ended up signing him, I don't know if he'll be able to play Sunday, but Vic Beasley would be an excellent addition to this defense. So I kind of want to just add that in there. But um, some of the keys to me, like I was saying before, last podcast was running the football. I think that if they control the line of scrimmage, control it, the time of possession, like they've been doing the last few weeks, not allowing Patrick Mahomes to, to be on the field because if he's not on the field, he can't beat you. That's what I would do. I would want to I want to see them run the ball a little bit more and, and control the time of possession. And and I think this game will be mighty important to control the time of possession because you didn't have a, your defense play the entire week. You know, so it's like without a with, without your defense playing, you know, um, they're they're <laughs> it's, it's almost scary, you know, to even to, to even think that. Like I would rather them sit out a week, you know, against the Jets than, than, the, than the best offense in the league, you know, so that's scary. So you got to control the time of possession. You can't have your defense on the field. They might be, they might be a little bit tired staying at home. How, who knows how, how much they've been working out. So that would be my, that's my key to the game is running the football. And, and, and you know what? I've been hearing a lot of things all week um, some, that we have to score a lot of points. Uh, that we have to score 40 plus points. No. I, the Raiders do not need to do that. What they need to do is they need to keep on running that football with Devontae Booker and Josh Jacobs. Last time, the Raiders did play the Chiefs. Uh, they rushed for 144 yards and two touchdowns, and they were able to kill a lot of clock at the end of the game, which helped uh, the Chiefs not by coming back, right, because they ran out of time. So if you're the Raiders, you gotta you got to run the ball. you got to give it to Josh Jacobs, give it to Devontae Booker. They're a two-headed monster. So that's, to me, that's what the Raiders have to do. They have to keep that Chiefs offense off the field by running the football and, uh, and killing the clock. You're absolutely right. I wouldn't be surprised if neither team score over 30 points this game. I wouldn't be surprised. It'd be one of those Sunday night football classics. You know, everybody think it's going to be a shootout and neither team score over 30 points. You know? And then, look... <laughs> We, we have to talk about the story, right? So last time the Raiders were in Kansas City, obviously they won the game, but there's been a lot of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, discussion of what happened after the game on the bus. So apparently the Raiders took a little victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium. And, uh, you know, we we heard Andy Reid, what he had to say about the Raiders, say, hey, well, they won the game. They, they could do whatever they want. Uh, so actually uh, John Gruden was asked, what happened in that tour bus incident? Let's take a listen. Hey, John. Uh, today, Andy Reid mentioned a couple of times the uh, victory lap you guys took in KC in the, in the first game. What exactly was the victory lap? And uh, is that something that uh, you think about this week as far as bulletin board material or anything like that? Not really. I mean, you can find a smart Alec bus driver in Kansas City who made some snide comments when we got on the bus. Maybe that's why we drove around the stadiums to tick him off. You know, this is ridiculous. Next question. What do you guys think? Man, chalkboard material, huh? <laughs> right. That's what a rivalry is about, man. That's what a rivalry is about. You know, the Raiders went in there, they handled their business, and it, I'm, I'm glad they did do that to the Chiefs and their fans. <laughs> sometimes you got to let them know. And, and you're quite sure they'll let us know. You know what's interesting about what you said? They actually did have fans at the stadium. They're one of the few stadiums that are allowing fans in there. So the Raiders were celebrating around those fans. Can you imagine the people that were outside the parking lot right. just going around Arrowhead Stadium? <laughs> right. Derek Carr told this story. He said there's this one guy that sits like a – he has a season ticket holder, and he sits below the Raiders bench, and he always trolls them. He's like, you suck. You suck, right? So – 
it, it's 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 a healthy thing and it's a it's a funny thing. But you know what I kind of thought about? I kind of thought about the uh, the Jordan documentary this past sum- summer, mm-hmm. where they said Jordan like makes up imaginary things to motivate him to piss him off so he can score sixty on somebody. I I kind of think that's what the Chiefs are doing in a way, right? They're, they're I don't think they're really offended by this, but I think it's almost a Jordan thing, right? To where it's like, oh, they beat us the last time. So I'm going to go out here and I'm going to do this to the Raiders. And then they're going to probably going to end up doing like a Baker Mayfield waving a flag and putting it in a silver and black sign or go do something on the strip. You know what I'm saying? To disrespect Vegas. <laughs> you know, like I think it's turned about his fair play. It's funny. It's very unfortunate that, you know, no fans can be inside a Legion Stadium on Sunday night because that stadium would be rocking. It would be. Man, that's what I can't wait for next season, man. I definitely want to hear how that stadium sounds filled up, you know? For sure. Now, now I'm going to tell you guys a, a dope feature about the stadium that, like, you know, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this, but I'll say it. Y'all, y'all the homies are in family. But they got a nightclub inside the stadium. Like, they legitimately have a nightclub inside the stadium. It's the most Vegas thing that you'll ever see. Like, it's a – they have a DJ, like they have a live DJ inside the club. Like you could dance, get drinks and stuff. It's so dope. And it's kind of, it's kind of like in the, like toward the end zone, like period. So I, um, I feel like this could be a touchdown dance. Like if T.O. was in the league or Chad Ochocinco was in the league, they jump up there and start dancing in the club. So uh, I want to see what that's like. I think that would be like, they, they made it as Vegas as they possibly can. It, the, the stadium translates so much to Vegas and 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 Vegas natives and I think people from Oakland from the Bay Area they would really love it you know like they would really find find it as a home you know so I'm excited to see fans actually inside the stadium as well yeah I have, I have a few pictures from when they was doing construction my boy was up there doing construction he did the electrical part oh shoot oh that, that's amazing that's good stuff. stuff I was like wow but yeah, guys, this this game, I mean, I cannot say enough. It's got huge implications on the whole playoff picture, too, because especially this year now that the only the number one seed is going to have a bye week. Right. So yeah. the, the Chiefs are behind the curve. They're one game behind uh, Pittsburgh, hopefully two after this Sunday against the Raiders. And also, yeah. there's a lot of six and three teams out there. Right. Uh, and I was just about to say that. And and the Raiders actually play Miami towards the end of the season. They're one of the teams that's making a strong playoff push as well. So this this game is going to be very important for the Raiders. You're definitely right. This is going to be one of those seasons where a team one loss can drop you from three to seven. It can be it can be that close at the end. If only we were in the NFC East, right? <laughs> if if only. Yeah, we'd be popping bottles already. I know, right? Hey, but look, the the Raiders have played tremendous. Um, you know, at these last, you know, eight games, nine games, um, they had a really tough schedule in the beginning of the year. I mean, whenever the, the, the schedule was released, I was like, oh, wow, we'll just throw the gauntlet at the Raiders because, you know, this, the way that they started the season in Carolina and then New Orleans. And it's just this. I've been very impressed by this team, but I've been most impressed with Derek Carr. He, he's looked really good in games and not, not turning the ball over. He's only got three interceptions in the year, I believe. Yeah, if if that, if that. Car car been stepping up, man. Car been stepping up. I think he had a good year last year as well, but winning is the best deodorant, you know? Winning is the best deodorant. And he's out there, he's smelling real good right now. Oh. Yeah. I- I, I think that people always make it seem like there's a catastrophic change from Carr from one year to another. No, it's just like, for me, he has weapons and he's under system 
for more than one year, right? So that that's what happens if you trust a quarterback and give him some consistency. And I don't want to like get into this topic, but it's like a lot of quarterbacks is the same thing, you know, like I'm a, like Sam Darnold, for example, like people, oh, he's, he's bad. Like, no, like his team is bad. So of course, if his team is bad, the quarterback is going to play bad. Right. So I think that we need to like, stop that, you know, like, we, we, we give them too much credit when they win and too much blame when they lose, you know, but we don't look at the situation around them of why they're bad, right? So, No, yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. I was saying that to someone a few weeks ago about we give them too much credit when they win and, and um, too much blame when they lose. And I think it's the marketing of the NFL because right. you have to think about it. And um, all the way to 1994, baseball was the number one sport in America. And then after that, when Jordan came back after his first retirement, basketball was actually number one. Football didn't take number one spot until like 2000, 2001 when the Patriots won. And when they took it, the whole market around the NFL changed. They started marketing the quarterback more. It was always Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. It was never Joe Montana and the San Francisco 49ers. They, they used to market the head coach at first. But now they marketing this one player. When did the quarterback start to get in a stack sheet of winning losses? You know, Fact, like baseball right. picture. So it's, it made good stories. It made good headlines. And it's an easy go-to by going after the quarterback. Like a quarterback can be top 10 in every statistical category and his defense be 30th and you still blame the quarterback for losing. Exactly. Like that's what I'm saying. And that's what I was trying to explain to Raider fans. I was like, like if you look at, I know stats on everything, but – Derek Carr, for example, like he's not a winner. Okay, bro, like look at his fourth quarter numbers. He puts up some of the best fourth quarter numbers. So if you put a competent defense around him, he would win. Duh, that shows you, right? But it's like his defense is 30th. You know, like you – and that's not just Carr. I'm talking about with any quarterback. Like it's crazy to me. Like a a quarterback's defense can be trash, right? Matt Ryan, for example. Matt Ryan is another quarterback. His numbers are up there with the elite quarterbacks, right? But his defense is bad. He spots you 35 nothing leads, and then your defense lets up the lead and, be, and lose 38-35. Oh, it's Matt Ryan's fault. They lost. No. <laughs> like, it's the defense. If the defense learns how to stop somebody, right, that's what I'm saying. I don't understand that. That's always the theory with Carr to me. That's always been the thing that drove me crazy with him. How, because look at last year. If the um, defense would have been in the middle of the pack, the Raiders wouldn't have been 7-9, and you wouldn't hear all that right. stuff about Carr. The Raiders probably would have been 10-6, 11-5. Exactly. How, how many teams would not kill to have Derek Carr on their team right now? Chicago, Indianapolis. Every, I mean, every single one of them. And even Cleveland. You know how many GMs was waiting for the Raiders to get rid of Carr? You know? Most They're salivating at the mouth. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr's going to go anywhere, and I feel pretty confident in that. All right, guys, let's get some predictions for Sunday night's showdown against the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, this is going to uh, be a hard one, man. This is going to be a hard one. You know, due to the fact that the defense have not had any practice this week. I, I, I got I to gotta be a realist. I hate to say it, but I have the Chiefs pulling away at the end and winning by 10. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it'll be a double digit loss for the Raiders as well. You know, um, just off the simple fact that there's not a lot of information that we have. Um, it could still be moved. We just we don't really know anything, right? And so with with that lack of information and the Chiefs having bullets and board material, we know Andy Reid's bye week, you know, record and all that, with all that being said, 
you know, it, it, it shapes up to a game that the Raiders are going to end up losing, unfortunately. And, and don't get it wrong, Raider Nation out there. The good thing about me predicting that the Raiders would lose this game is that the Raiders will probably have to face the Chiefs a third time in the playoffs. And it's almost impossible to beat a good team three times in one season. So we'll have a better chance of beating the Chiefs in the playoffs if we go into that game one and one this year against the Chiefs. Now, look, I'm going to stay positive because that's what we do here on the Silver and Black Talk podcast. Positive thing. They play the Chiefs already this year. A couple weeks back, right? So obviously they're not going to – the Chiefs are not going to come in with the same game plan they did a couple weeks back. Also, these players are more than likely going to play because there's ha- there hasn't been any positive tests yet. So I'm going to – I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stay positive and I'm going to assume that they're going to play. Now – uh, I think the Chiefs have a couple of injuries. I think Sammy Watkins was questionable for the game. Or no, I'm sorry, uh, Nicole Harmon, their special team's the ace. So Tyree Kill might be returning punts and kicks on Sunday. With all that being said, I think the Raiders are going to pull this off. I really do, and I, that's what I'm going to stick with. I'm going to go – I don't like giving out scores because I don't like predicting it, but I'm going to say 28 to 22. Raiders. And I hope you're right, man. I hope you're right. And also the um the Chiefs, they two starting tackles have been off this week, right? They just came back today. Okay. Okay. Are they, are they are they without Eric Fisher or one of their left like their left tackle right tackle? He uh, he practiced today. So uh Eric oh, okay. so but they they were actually the first team that had players on that COVID nineteen list on Monday. And Rap Sheet broke that story yesterday in the morning. I was like, oh, well, here we go again. Yeah, no, as soon as Farrell was on there, I was like, yeah, here, we, here, we go, here we go again. Cause, <laughs> because I don't know, like, I don't, I don't, it, the thing is, I, I don't know if they live together. I don't know, like, I don't know their situation, but it's just like, I know, like, they're very close knit and they, you know, they're always together. So as soon as one goes, it's just like, oh, damn, bro. <laughs> You know, like you like your team being close knit, but it's just like at a time like this, it's like, ah, I'm going to need y'all fools of social distance, bro. Yeah. For <laughs> All right. But with that being said, that's going to go, go ahead and wrap up this edition of Silver and Black Talk podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the game on Sunday and we'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.